Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Phoenix Trent, and I'm so excited to welcome you to Putting Down Roots, a program highlighting creative individuals and organizations bringing something unique to Mendocino County through the arts, environmental practices, education, and beyond. Last month, we discussed women in entrepreneurship with Kristen Jones from Folklore in Mendocino, Holly Madrigal from Word of Mouth Magazine, and Marisol Hernandez from Style Salon in Fort Bragg. If you missed that show, you can find it on Spotify under uh, KZYX Public Affairs or on the Jukebox page, which you can find at kzyx.org. And we have an exciting show for you today. We're going to be talking about community health and resilience in Mendocino and Sonoma County. Our guests today are Jocelyn Beretta from the Botanical Bus, Megan Barber Allende from Community Foundation of Mendocino County, and Patrice Mascolo and Molly Rosenthal from Healthy Mendocino. So we're going to jump right into things here and get started with our first guest, Jocelyn, from the Botanical Bus, which is uh, based in Sonoma County. Jocelyn has a really action-packed schedule this week, so this portion of the show was actually pre-recorded on Monday. Hi, Jocelyn. Thank you so much for being with us today. We're really excited to have you and hear more about the Botanical Bus. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, so we'd love to get started here. Can you give us some background on your uh, motivation and intention behind creating Botanical Bus? Um, I know you've mentioned to Michelle in the past that it was inspired by the community and, and community needs. So what kind of what sparked the idea? The Botanical Bus really is of the community, um, probably around, let's see, around seven years ago at this point, Ahanes uh, Quinones, and I started the project at a community garden. Uh, we gathered once a week just to, to in really be with uh, nuestras compañeras, our, our, our people, uh, and to talk about plant medicine and nutrition, uh, traditional recipes and remedies. And, you know, through this process of harvesting and talking, our group started growing, mostly uh, immigrant community uh, from Peru, from Mexico, uh, Guatemala, people, Americans, people from the United States. We started to just share and grow until we decided, well, we got to link up with some more resources um, for this work. So we're actually just lined up perfectly um, with the 2017 North Bay fires. Actually, I was working at a clinic in a, an integrative health clinic in Santa Rosa called Pharmacopia. And it's a women-owned clinic and that opened up as a free clinic after the fires. And the third founder, uh, Lily Mazzarella, joined us and we said, let's keep this work going? How can we invest in the community? How can we invest in the promotoras who are the original kind of group and the heart of our organization? Uh, women, indigenous, Latinx, Spanish-speaking women who uh, hold great knowledge of herbal medicine and nutrition and want to share with their community and we want to empower that knowledge uh, as, a, as an essential community resource. Wow. And so you yourself um, are an herbal clinician. And so you were practicing and so you were all kind of able to bring together your different expertise and put them together into this organization. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I'm from Sonoma County. Um, my, my grandmother was a farm worker um, 
And I come to this work because I am just really eager to learn more about herbal medicine every day. I am, I studied at the California School of Herbal Studies for two years uh, and practiced uh, as a community herbalist at Pharmacopia as that integrative health practice. And, and now we have just launched uh, our farm worker clinic last fall, uh, our organization, the Botanical Bus bilingual mobile herb clinic um we are out in the field we are at family service centers we are providing free integrative health care to the latinx and indigenous population uh, farm worker communities and their families and we are a mobile clinic so we are at family service centers and also at work sites at vineyard work sites throughout sonoma county that's really incredible because I, I've noticed that in natural remedies and homeopathic medicine, there's often a really, really gap in accessibility. You know, it's like these types of um, alternative forms of medicine are seen as elite, hard to access, expensive. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is changing that, completely transforming um, the way that people can access really important and ancient forms of healthcare. Um, that's really awesome. Uh, can you tell our listeners about um, the three main programs that Botanical Bus is currently offering? We have, uh, like I mentioned, our farm worker clinic. Uh, and this year we will, it is our goal to connect with, connect 500 farm workers and their families with integrative health care. Uh, we will host 24 clinics uh, throughout the county and their Saturdays. Uh, at our service centers, and like I said, some pop-up clinics at work sites. Uh, And at these clinics, uh, we offer massage, acupuncture, uh, sessions with clinical herbalists, integrative doctors, somatic therapists, and also free lunch, free tamales, and herbal care kits. So everyone leaves with herbal medicine, um, all, all free of charge. Uh, our second clinic, which really complement uh, our second clinic, our cl- second program, which uh, complements the clinic, is our Promotora program. Um, we have a group of eight Promotoras who uh, we work with to provide uh, wellness workshops to the community. These wellness workshops are also free and they're provided virtually online right now because of COVID uh, through Zoom every first Saturday of the month from 10 to 11.30. We have bilingual wellness workshops. Uh, the upcoming workshop this uh, this weekend will be on diabetes and it's led by uh, Julian Jimenez, who is a powerful indigenous woman uh, from Oaxaca who has a really strong testimonial around um, type 2 diabetes and its effects on the indigenous peoples, uh, her indigenous community in Oaxaca and, and here. And we'll be learning about herbal remedies and nutrition uh, for caring for loved ones and yourself and with type 2 diabetes. And so those, those wellness clinics happen and every first Saturday, the next Saturday we'll be doing, the, ne- the first Saturday in April, we'll be doing one um, around stress reduction, breathing, somatic therapy. And each topic is chosen by the community, um, surveyed and, and, and then um, provided uh, by uh, Promotora. So those are our wellness workshops. And our third program are community gardens. So we are, historically, our wellness workshops have taken place in community gardens and we plant herbal medicine gardens. And so that during the workshops, we can we can cultivate, uh, learn about the plants and learn about their uses and exchange recipes and 
be outside in the garden. And we still do, we're outside in the garden at La Plaza um, in Nuestra Cultura Cura. It's at Lincoln Elementary School and a wonderful nonprofit partner at Lincoln Elementary School in Santa Rosa. Uh, and we're also returning to the garden and the community garden in Healdsburg, uh, which is organized by Corazon Healdsburg, another partner organization. And those are our primary programs. Incredible. And people can find out more information um, about those on your website, which is thebotanicalbus.org. And then you guys are also on Instagram as the Botanical Bus. Yes. And in the fact that you're working um, with the Latinx and Indigenous communities, uh, we all know that COVID-19 has shined a light on underlying disparities in our communities and can you talk about how COVID has affected or changed the work that the botanical bus is performing? It's just become increasingly important and to provide health resources to Latinx indigenous populations who face health disparity, uh, a growing health inequity in Sonoma County, uh, Latinx community members have the least access to health resources, uh, also social determinants of health, such as access to healthy food, uh, time off of work, uh, exposure to stressors. And so really what's at the heart of our organization is impact empowering the incredible resilience and traditional knowledge, uh, intergenerational knowledge of herbal medicine and nutrition uh, as a culturally relevant form of care that exists within the community. It's alive within the community. It's, it's a, a resource that we are investing in and we are cultivating leadership and investing in the powerful intergenerational knowledge that exists in community and now during COVID is it's more important than ever that people feel that they are resourced um, essentially essential workers farm workers uh, their exposure to COVID is much higher uh, for pre you know for pre-existing you know conditions of working in in environments that may be crowded, living in crowded environments, um, not being able to take time off, you know, being an essential worker means that you don't work from home. Uh, you, you go to work even if it's not safe. Uh, and so investing in, in, in that community and investing in the knowledge that's there and the power that's there to care for them, for, to care for community, uh, is, is what we think is most important. Yeah, and something that you said to me, which I thought was really interesting, was that even with a lack of access to healthcare, Latinx people are living longer than than other communities, specifically um, the white community, and it's because of their sense of community. And that that was something that you guys at the Botanical Bus really wanted to build upon and use as inspiration. It's called the Latino mortality paradox, and it's it's it really it really struck me that there's all these models of care of healthcare or any type of maybe charity where we feel that we have to you know give 
or hand out or hand down. Um, and what we strongly believe is that the resource is the people's knowledge. Nuestro uh, conocimiento es nuestro poder. We have the knowledge and we also have the community and we need to invest in it. And that, that the power of community, you know, that study, that study goes that even, you know, even though uh, Latinx populations have the lowest access to health resources, they're actually outliving white residents in Sonoma County. And that's, you know, my own conclusion is because of connectivity and community and uh, what, you know, how important that is for our, our health. Mm -hmm. that, that's super interesting. And I think it's um, that grassroots approach to healthcare and wellness instead of, instead of top down, instead of, okay, you have health insurance and you go to the doctor, that's important. Like we need, you know, our classic medical providers, but also we need to be um, digging into our communities, digging into the wisdom that's already there. And, um, and then sharing that information. A lot of times when a generation di dies off, that wisdom is gone. And the work that you're doing to pass that information along and keep it alive um, is beautiful. And I think it really makes sense that um, in communities where people really are working closely together to support each other, people are living longer. You know? mm -hmm. and I think you're making this more accessible, especially because you're bringing services to the people. We're meeting people where they're at instead of being a place that people have to come to, going to the community to run workshops. And you have a, a bus, you know, that's going to... Uh, meet farm workers at vineyards. Really, really cool work. Um, can you tell us? I was just interested. Did you call it an herb pack? Is that what it was? A take-home herb pack? Herb yeah, box? it's it's a it's in Espanol. It's called botequin. It's a first aid kit, and so it's an herbal first aid kit. So everyone who leaves the clinic gets um, a herb kit. Yeah. Um, so cool. it, it'll be full with uh, medicinal teas for immunity, stress. Uh, helping with sleep. Um, oh, you know, there's there's teeth for everything. <laughs> um, also some salves. All of our medicine is made by um, a local uh, herb company called Galen's Way. They make exceptional herbal tinctures. They're based here in Sebastopol. And we also are sponsored by Traditional Medicinals and Tadine, um, which are really great uh, sources of organic tea. And we're, we distribute their tea to the community we'll actually have we'll be launching this spring with a full apothecary so our bus is being ah. built out with a 58 tincture um glycerate herb um apothecary and wow. so we'll be distributing uh lots of free herbal medicine to the to the farm workers farm workers and their families wow and continuing off of what phoenix was saying about you know passing this information down can you tell our listeners about some of the future programs you have? Because one of them is is based around exactly that, which is making sure this knowledge is is documented and 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 is shared. Mm -hmm. So a new program, you know, it's part of our probatory program, but something that we've been dreaming about doing for years that we finally get to put into action this year is. Uh, an enrichment program for uh, our promotoras. So the promotoras are are leading our wellness workshops. They're they're offering their services at the clinics, and um, 
they are paid they are paid as community health advocates uh, professionals health professionals to do this really important work with us and so we're all we also want to provide trainings um with you know 100% based on what their desired enrichment should will and should be um and so we've surveyed the group and a few of the topics that have come to the top will be heading out in april for a forest bath together we'll go out into the forest here and um, learn some more about medicinal mushrooms uh, and and go with a therapist that's um, certified in um nature therapy uh, and then the next one we'll do is about documentation and uh it's will be led by uh una compañera uh who is a family therapist and she is going to be leading a workshop on documentation and the idea that documentation has been used to disempower and to limit access uh to especially the immigrant population if you're documented you have access if you're not and someone else of power hands that down and out um and this this workshop is going to be about taking document the idea of documentation back and to speak to it and to act to document traditional knowledge to document really whatever you feel you feel makes you powerful and that's your documentation uh and we move through this system we move through our lives and our commitments to the botanical bots and our commitments to the community um, with this this form of documentation, whether it's shared with anybody or not, that we where we write our own documentation and and that's our and that's our traditional knowledge and our our intergenerational knowledge. And just that documentation as power. What is this what is the feedback that you get from from the people who are who are able to access the botanical bus? Well, our workshops are growing. Um, I feel like people really feel held and and empowered. They're able to express themselves and share in this common growing knowledge. So with the workshops, they're, they're growing and our support and community is growing. We just joined the community libraries as a partner and we'll be, our workshops will be um, supported by, you know, through that network, spread through that network as well, free, you know, free knowledge, free the knowledge. Um, as far as the clinics go, we, every clinic is filled to capacity with a wait list. Um, and we do have return, return folks. We look forward to a time in COVID. We really have to limit, we limit the folks who can come to our clinic to 18 per clinic because we have to be socially distanced and we have really strict protocol around safety during during covid um but every clinic is always filled and we do have people coming back for regular treatment so you know some chronic conditions uh clients have research have received you know return acupuncture for chronic conditions and seen improvement and um, we we have people coming every every week and mm -hmm. for regular care uh and so yes there's definite there's a lot of trust in herbs. I just recently saw this great t-shirt that was, that was made that was like, in herbs we trust, but I think it was in, in yerbas, it was in Spanish. Um, we trust and it's in, 
in the Latinx and indigenous population, people are already using herbs and they already believe in them and as a complementary form of medicine. Um, so it's not, we, and at the Botanical Boss also, we don't believe that you should use any type of medicine. It's, you know, a holistic approach that herbs can complement any type of care that you may be receiving and or any care that you're seeking and it's also an accessible form of medicine that uh the latinx and indigenous population have a deep knowledge of and and that that should be celebrated and so when when folks go home with their tea of manzanilla or chamomile it it's this deep knowing that oh thank you i know this works i've been using this for years it's it's not so much like oh i'll try this new thing out it's 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 there's like a deep recognition of like oh thank you for distributing this is my medicine i i'm going to give it to my kids you know um herbalism is alive and well in the heart of the latinx and indigenous community and and, and we're just you know working to empower that Absolutely. Um, well, thank you, Jocelyn. Thank you for all the incredible work you're doing to bring, truly bring herbalism to the community and make it accessible for folks. Um, we're, we've been, uh, we'd love talking with you on the show today. And if you want to visit their website, you can go to thebotanicalbus.org. Um, thank you so much, Jocelyn. Thank you, Jocelyn, for all the work you're doing and for being here with us today. Thank you. For folks who are tuning in now, you're listening to Putting Down Roots on KZYX, and we're speaking about community health and resilience with our guest Jocelyn Beretta of the Botanical Bus, Megan Barreyende of the Community Foundation of Mendocino County, and Molly Rosenthal and Patrice Mascolo of Healthy Mendocino. So now we'd like to introduce our next guest, uh, Megan of the Community Foundation, Mendocino County. Megan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So to start off, can you tell us how you came to be in Mendocino County and then what led you to work with the Community Foundation? So my husband and I came here 19 years ago um, for him to join the physician team at Mendocino Community Health Clinic. And I joined the Community Foundation 14 and a half years ago um, as one of the first program officers. And, um, you know, I... I, I kind of get shocked when I even realize it's been 19 years, um, but I think part of why we've stayed here all this time is that, you know, we've ended up raising three kids in the community and are deeply invested in this community. And it's one of the reasons that I was really drawn to my position at the Community Foundation in that um, I had a background in nonprofit man, uh, program development, and I just really wanted to, the desire to positively impact my community. And um, the position's obviously giving me that. I've hung with it for a long time. And four and a half years ago, I became the president and CEO. Wonderful. And uh, can you give us some background on how Community Foundation was founded, how it came to be? Yeah, it has a really interesting um, story. It started back in 1993 um, by a group of really committed community members. Um, and they were from all over the county. And they were really wanting to keep the local philanthropic do dollars local. Um, and at that time, um, there really wasn't an easy way to do that, and especially in planned giving, um, you know, legacy giving, um, in people's wills and estates. A lot of that money was going to large um, 
organizations like the Sierra Clubs or universities, things like that, um, because it really wasn't a way to keep those dollars here and enable them to work in this community for the long haul. So they were committed. They met for three years with like no staff and just kept meeting. <laughs> and they tell wonderful stories about how they got the first $250 from, for stationery from a woman on the South Coast. Uh, but that was, they were scrappy. They were very much Mendocino County people. And, um, and I admire them so deeply because of that vision they held. And in 1999, they were able to get their first um, CEO. And she stayed in that position for 17 years. And, um, you know, kind of the organization that exists today has, you know, it's much the same, but obviously very, very different. Um, now the treasure chest has about $42 million in it, which is just an extraordinary number anyways, but even more so for a county that's, you know, less than 90,000 people. Um, you know, that there's so many people that care so deeply about this county and want to give back to this county, either in their lifetimes or after they pass away. Um, so it's um, been an amazing organization to be with. We're about 27 years old, so I've been here for about half of its life. Um, and, you know, just as far as giving that money back out in the community, you know, a lot of people wonder about that because, you know, you're building these assets up. And I think they think the treasure chest never gets opened. Um, but the reality is just in the last six years alone, we've granted out $11.3 million into the community. So even though it's growing, we're constantly giving it out. <laughs> and, and the way that we're able to do that is we do invest these um, the majority of those resources in the stock market and um, use the gains that we hope to get every year. It's, you know, changes depending on the year. Um, but as we get those gains, we, we put them back out in the community. And that's kind of how it's a sustainable long-term model. And I think that's also helpful for people to understand. Yeah, and I think it's, um, I've heard you refer to Community Foundation as a community treasure chest. And it truly is. It's like, this is a rural, remote region in Northern California. And there's, there's funding available. There's there's grants, um, there's ways to get a project going, but there aren't a lot of foundations regionally. And Community Foundation truly has stepped up to serve as a funder for an incredible amount of projects from environmental education to community health to um, even business innovation and resiliency recently. So that, that's, that's what I find really unique about Community Foundation. There's a lot of national foundations, but community foundations around the country are doing work right where they are, you know? They're bringing local dollars to local organizations. That's so cool. Um, can you tell us kind of how Community Foundation has evolved? And I, so um, it started really modestly, and now it's really grown. What's some of the, what kind of programming are you running now? Well, you know, I know the topic today is like community health, so I'll kind of start there. Um, so we have an annual grant program called the Community Enrichment Grant Program, and it's funded predominantly by our Community Endowment Fund, and, and that is one of our early stories and, and how we developed that. Um, we got an external grant, but they said, you have to, you know, we'll give you, I think it was a quarter, and you got to raise 75% of it. Um, really hard to do when you haven't been around very long. Um, but these amazing board members and committee members um, did that, and, and they, they raised that first million. And now it's a collection of a number of funds. It's more in that $7 million range. And out of that those dollars, um, we've specifically look at what the most pressing needs are in the community, um, in the nonprofit sector. So 
we always grant out of there and community health and partially because some of those dollars came from the board of supervisors back in the tobacco settlement days um, is our only government money of that 42 I, I will say a lot of people wonder all the rest of that is absolutely private money um, but we do have this money and that money came to us with the direction that we would always fund community health projects in the community. So every year we do that. It's in the neighborhood of maybe 50, 60,000, you know, directly in that topic area. It can be more. Um, so we always are doing that. We love um, kind of piloting new ideas, you know, one being the community gardens movement. I mean, I, I still look back and I remember the year it was like, it's the year of the community gardens. And they were really new and exciting. And now I look at them and I'm like, oh, you know, huge you know, NCO has done amazing things all over the county with community gardens. And your previous speaker spoke about the value of community gardens. I mean, it's no longer new and exciting, but very critical. So that's kind of how it will happen for us as we kind of get some of those newer things that people are trying. The market match is another one where folks would go to the uh, farmer's markets and they asked if we would help pilot a program where they could match um, somebody's um, Cal Fresh dollars or what used to be called food stamps dollars. Um, and so we did that in the early days before it was something that's now kind of happened. So that's an example of how we impact community health and that's often how we do it. Um, the other other way that has been more interesting for us is, is the work we've been doing in the last four years around disasters. <laughs> Disaster response, recovery, resiliency and preparedness. Um, you know, we were prepared for it, but we didn't know what it would mean to act in this role. But I'm so grateful that we did it, especially in 2017, where we lost so many homes. Um, because what it did is it kept those dollars local. Um, for instance, you know, the Red Cross does come in, they do amazing work, but then they move on to the next disaster. That's what they do. Um, and we had incredible generosity expressed to this community during that time. I mean, the foundation had thousands of donors. Um, you know, we, together with NCO and other partners, we you know we raised about four and a half million dollars for that effort, and we kept those dollars local, and we've stewarded them to ensure that all the fire survivors got home, and we pretty much met that goal at the three-year mark. And so that's again a way that. We help community because if we hadn't been in that role and hadn't been willing to go through all that and had NCO to partner with us in the county of Mendocino, it, I don't know if those folks would have been able to quite make it through um, the, the very, very hard journey that they were asked. And believe it or not, that's one of five fires we've had in this county in the last four years. So um, that has turned into be another way that we impact community health. And then again, in the resiliency and the preparedness side, um, we've raised just under 500,000 to be able to take care of all parts of the county because um, you know we have some really, really remote areas, which I think last summer demonstrated with the Oak and the August fires. And if we can help them be prepared um, and make sure their fire departments are well um, resourced, especially at the all-volunteer fire departments, which is a big part of our county, um, that they have the equipment they need to be able to react quickly. You know, that's a way that we can help in the future. Um, and so we've been really putting a lot of time and effort into that area of community health. Looks a little different, but I think it is part of um, a healthy community. It's a, now a prepared community. And then lastly, I don't know if we want to talk about COVID at this moment, but and how it fits into community health, but um, we have also um, 
you know, raised a lot of resources to support the community during the pandemic. Um, and, you know, last year we gave out about a little like a million three, a little over a million dollars for food relief, individual assistance, nonprofit and small business relief. Um, and we're going to do about the same in 2021, although probably not any more small business relief. The government's really picking that one up. Um, but we are definitely committed to our nonprofit sector because without them, we really can't help the individuals because they're the ones that serve and, and make such a difference um, on the day to day. And so we've been really committed to ensuring that they all can make it through this very, very challenging time. And Megan, when you just so that our listeners understand, when you talk about investing the dollars back into the community, and Phoenix was mentioning, you know, working locally, you're talking about working with local nonprofits. Yeah, yeah. When we put money back out in the community, that's exactly how we do it. So we always grant to nonprofits who then do the, you know, do what they do to make the community a better place. Yeah, that's our main business model. You know, we did do some work in the small business sector, um, but we worked through our partner, West Business Development Center, and they were sort of the nonprofit that we partnered with to support local business. Wonderful. And you all recently commuted, uh, completed a nonprofit community survey, right? So you can get a good idea of where local nonprofits are at and how you can kind of uh, meet those needs. Yeah, we did. And um, I don't have it right in front of me, um, but, you know, what we heard, I mean, it's been a hard year. I mean, and I think all of us knew that, um, you know, what was the good news was is everybody's figured out kind of how to adapt or pivot, depending on what word you want to use, um, to try to meet needs that they're handling um, and some very creatively. I mean, space is a great example. They're holding dance classes outside uh, in the middle of the winter in the rain, you know, hey, but they're making it happen with special pods of kids. And I just admire them because that's, it seems quite extraordinary to make sure kids can get um, a creative experience during this time. Um, so we saw evidence of that all over the county. Um, you know, economically, uh, they've all, it's been hard, especially, especially um, the arts organizations and the environmental organizations. Um, you know, especially anybody who had a facility that's just been closed, you know, um, the facility costs don't go away. You know, you still have to maintain the facility. Well, if they're not able to bring anybody in the facility, then that really creates a funding challenge. So we did hear about that sort of um, across the sector. Um, you know, a positive ray of light. A lot of um, organizations did talk about some of their annual donors stepping up and giving more at, at the holidays. And I and I was grateful to hear that, that those that can have been um, making sure to support those organizations they care about and keep them going. Um, but again, none of it could cut, it couldn't make up for the fundraising income. And that's um, how most nonprofits make the lion's share of their operating budgets is through having events, um, you know, having shows or, you know, uh, chili cook-offs or crab feeds, you know, that's kind of the way that they make a lot of their operating dollars and they couldn't do that. Now, some did some online work, 
in some cases that worked and they had great response, but again, it didn't quite make up that, um, that difference. So uh, that's, that's where it is. And that's why um, we are you know, gonna end up doing four rounds of nonprofit relief funding in this um, fiscal year, just to try to do the little bit we can to kind of help everybody keep going to get to the other side, which I hope we're starting to see the other side. Um, you know, so that they can make it and, and then regroup and hopefully um, survive, you know, because it's, it's been a very, very hard road. And can you tell us about uh, the Community Foundation's plans for the future, any upcoming programs and initiatives? Yeah, sure. So, you know, um, one of the main things that we've been doing during this uh, time, which is, I think it's, it's been good, but a bit tricky at times. Um, is we, the board has undergone a kind of a diversity, equity, and inclusion education program um, to really get um, deep in their knowledge of Mendocino County. Um, and I think it's a multi-year project. It will be a forever project in many ways, but I, I am grateful that we took this opportunity when things were not quite the same to, to, to take advantage of that and, and start that um, deepen, deepening of their knowledge. We've had some wonderful speakers and people have been reading and I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes um, and how we use it in our grant making, our community leadership, um, and of course, grow our inclusion and diversity at the board level. So um, that's, that's a, a big project. Um, and then also we are gonna undergo strategic planning. And, and I think many nonprofits got stuck in this spot where it was your year to strategic plan and then suddenly you can't meet with your board in person. Um, and that was our case. And so we put that off a year and we'll be engaging in that process. And um, part of that work is, is really deepening um, our community listening and spending time all over the county. We cut it in seven regions and we had plans to have these community conversations in all the regions and, and really here. And I am glad we put that off a year because um, I think recovery from COVID is gonna, is gonna be multi-year. I, you know, I don't think it suddenly goes back to normal. I think we're gonna have some time to pull out of this. And I think it'll be really important to hear those community voices as we start that. Um, so we'll be doing that. And then of course, COVID recovery. Um, you know, we will partner with the County of Mendocino and other nonprofits and the business sector to try to really be a part of what recovery looks like in this county and also continue to try to help individuals and families and nonprofits, you know, through that recovery phase. So um, and at least the next year looks really busy and full. Um, and um, I think overarching, you know, I think the part that's kind of challenging about community foundations is this, it's very donor directed, donor driven, and that the donors tell us what they want to do with their resources, especially in their states. They'll say, I wanna give to animals. And so, you know, our job is to make sure we take care of the animals of Mendocino County. Um, but as a community leader and a community member, um, you know, we also need to have that sensitivity to what are the most important community issues that are also important. And animal welfare may not be the hot and most important topic at the time. And so we always have to balance those out and make sure that we're, you know, being impactful 
but also honoring our donor intent because when people give us the resources, they're trusting us to always do what they asked us to do. Well, Megan, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Um, we're so grateful for all the work the Community Foundation does here in Mendocino County. And if you'd like to learn more about Community Foundation of Mendocino County, you can visit their website at communityfound.org. That's communityfound.org. Thank you so much, Megan. And for those tuning in, you're listening to Putting Down Roots on KZYX. And our topic today is community health and resilience. Next, we'd like to introduce Patrice Mascolo and Molly Rosenthal of Healthy Mendocino. Molly and Patrice, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. We uh, really appreciate um, you having both of us here so that we can talk about Healthy Mendocino and the work that we do in the community along um, um, health and resilience. So can you give our listeners some background on how Healthy Mendocino was founded and the work that Healthy Mendocino does? Um, yeah, it was founded way back in 2011. The Health and Human Services Advisory Board was talking about needing something in the community for agencies in the county to be able to find um, current updated data and things of that nature. And they had come across this platform um, where there was a company that would do that for you. And so the advisory board looked into it and um, they decided that they would go with this platform that was based out of um, Berkeley, California. And um, we were launched in 2013 and became basically, we are a web-based data repository. And um, so in the very beginning, it was just kind of run by a part-time person, just keeping things updated. And we had all this data that was for the, the county itself, and um, it was updated when it needed to be. But then they decided, you know, things kind of morphed, and it was kind of an interesting thing because most of the platforms or most of these types of websites are being um, run through public health or through a county agency, where this one is started independently. And it was housed at NCO. NCO was our fiscal sponsor for a while. And it was more of an independent website, even though we had funding from at least 20 funding partners um, because everybody was using it. And so what ended up happening was, yeah, first it was this website with all this data. But then we started putting um, monthly, we would have a newsletter and we'd put health-related articles on the homepage. And we made sure that we had um, the dashboards up there with all the indicators. And we would highlight certain indicators, data indicators each month. And then it came up in 2014, 2015. Um, it was decided that Healthy Medicino would kind of be the lead organization on a collaborative community health needs assessment. And these assessment is needed by nonprofits. The county needs one. Hospitals need them. Clinics need them. And we thought, well, let's do it collaboratively. And then we'd all have the information from this needs assessment and that may work well for us. So that's what we did. It was a great project. Um, and it really got Healthy Mendocino rolling into doing more things along community engagement. Um, and out of that first collaborative needs assessment, we came up with five priority areas, which were just great. I mean, there were the priority areas that were identified were the things that came out of surveys and talking to leaders within the community about what everybody thought was the most um, the things that we needed to focus on in the county. And so we decided that um, 
And the other funding partners decided that Healthy Mendocino would work on implementing an improvement plan from for those priority areas. So we put together action teams on the North Coast and inland Ukiah, and the action teams did a lot of work for a couple of years. And some of those action teams are still working to this day. There's a childhood trauma team working in Ukiah and a housing team working on the North Coast and in Ukiah. Um, and so that all happened, and there was, um, like I said, through that work, we started doing a lot more community engagement. People were really getting how important Healthy Mendocino was for writing grants, um, for making reports, because all the data was right there. They could call us up for any kind of help. Um, if they wanted you know, us to help promote something, we would promote things for them. We would put surveys into our newsletter for them, anything that was health-related. Um, we finished up our second collaborative needs assessment in 2019, and that went really well, and we came up with three priority areas. But then because of everything that was happening, like um, Megan was talking about with COVID, we did not do any implementation work. So we have then now been focusing more on community engagement engagement, um, which is something that um, has been really nice for us to do because there's a lot of collaborative work on, on that end. Well, personally, I can just say as a, as a grant writer, I use your data points all the time. It's an incredible resource for that. Um, and actually, Community Foundation, and some of their grant questions, they ask you to cite that data. And I think it's, it's really important that, um, that people have access to that kind of information so that they can attract funding and grants really essential. Um, can you give us some background on what inspired you all personally to work with Healthy Mendocino? Um, well, for myself, I came to this area mainly because of um, some family things and um, was able to start working in nonprofit for the first time in my life, which I really, really loved. And when I found the job with Healthy Mendocino, it just seemed to kind of be a fit for me because it was nonprofit work. It was helping the whole county and not just one specific area. It was looking at all the populations and different community community members of the county, which I really liked. And I also really liked the fact that it was so collaborative. It was like being in NCO, we are now a program of NCO, which is great. No longer fiscally sponsored, but a, a, a full-fledged program. So that's been really nice. And there's all this collaboration that goes on. And so for me, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy the connections, the community, and doing work that I know really helps other agencies to serve the populations that they serve. Yeah, and for me, I, I am a Mendocino County transplant also, um, raised in San Diego, uh, came up here by way of San Francisco, and I moved here to the Mendocino Coast at um, a pretty critical time when I probably should be starting my career. And for a while, it was a struggle to figure out how to make a career here and try to reconcile just how amazingly beautiful this place is and perfect and in a lot of ways um, provides a higher quality of life than city life and starting a career and how I was going to make it. And so being um, a lifelong mental health advocate, I, I wanted to really find out how this seemingly lack of industry, especially on the, on the Mendocino coast, affects um, community health and the quality of life here. And I'm, with a brief background in journalism, I'm very interested in people's lived experiences. And I really wanted to be able to stay here while still making impact in the community and explore my 
passion for mental health and community health. And also, I, I'm a data nerd, so what drew me to Healthy Mencino is the platform. Um, I love analyzing data. I think data is wonderful for storytelling. So that's another thing that drew me to the work. And Patrice, you mentioned focusing on community engagement. Can you just tell us a little bit about um, currently what programs you're working on or what you'd like to highlight? Um, yeah, one of the things that I'd like to highlight is after we did these um, the needs assessment, it became evident that we have a lot of data on the website, but we don't have... Um, we don't have a, the data that we really wanted on there. One of the priority areas was domestic violence, and we didn't have a lot of data there. So we were able to get the company that um, takes care of our platform to create um, some new custom-made um, indicators for us, specifically for violent crime, domestic violence, um, homicides, um, some information about vaping within with teenagers. And so that's been really great to do that. We're also doing some more data expansion on the website by collecting data from local agencies like um, the Redwood Quality Management Company is starting to give us their monthly data so we can get that on there. I'm working with First Five right now to um, work with them and getting data um, about children onto the website. So there's a lot that we're doing there. We also do some CalFresh at, um, advocacy work um, and we have some pages that we created for CalFresh and oral health. Um, and there's some other agencies that we're creating pages for. Um, and Molly has some other things she wanted to mention. Yeah, in terms of community engagement, our work around that is fairly ongoing. Um, we try to hold um, semi-annual or every few months uh, webinars around important health issues and social determinant of health topics. A lot of our work um, in collaboration is between agencies, so supporting agency work and organizations that interface directly with the public. But this community engagement work is one opportunity where we get to engage both agency people and the general public around these important topics. Um, last winter or in December, we partnered with the D Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Task Force that was formed last summer um, on a webinar um, talking about generational trauma, privilege, and their vision for Mendocino County. Um, and then another piece of community engagement work we do that we're pretty proud of is we've put together a cross-sector group of agency leaders and um, decision makers at agencies, and we come together quarterly to discuss how organizations are tackling certain pressing issues in the county and um, our hope for those conversations, which can be pretty productive, are, is to inspire collaboration, get people from housing to healthcare, education, uh, city government, to all talk to each other about what they're doing and maybe cross-pollinate some ideas. That's awesome. And we've seen that um, the pandemic has disproportionately impacted the Latinx community. Uh, what is Healthy Mendocino doing to support health, health equity? Uh, during COVID-19? Yeah, so um, when the pandemic hit, so our platform is really good for compiling libraries of best practices, toolkits, um, as Patrice mentioned, data. So when the pandemic hit, we put together an, a very comprehensive database of resources, um, housing, financial, 
uh, parenting resources, food, a section for Spanish language resources. And this is something that people could access just as like a one, one place for all things, um, for all outlets of support. The problem with that, though, being an online database is it doesn't reach people who don't have access to Internet, um, which is a, a pretty significant portion of our county. So um, we leveraged our partnership with the, uh, the NCO Mask Awareness Project, now COVID Awareness Project, or as you may have seen around the county, those signs, Cubrete Mendo, um, to do outreach to family resource centers and health centers who do see the public, um, telling them that, hey, this resource database is here. We have printable resources. You can access things on behalf of your clients. Um, so that's something we've been maintaining since last April. Um, we also did in, in the community engagement piece, a webinar series on the various quality of life issues and equity issues that have been illuminated and exacerbated under COVID. And for each of those three webinars, we had uh, a panel discussing those issues. And then we're also uh, partnering with the Promotores de Salud program to help them bulk up their um, resource document. And this is a document they're actively using and it, it breaks information down that they can deliver to their community based on documentation required, eligibility requirements to access resources and whether and who the bilingual contact is at each program. And so um, that's one partnership we've just started. Incredible. And so um, our listeners, if they were interested in, in watching these webinars or seeing the one that you did um, with the Equity Inclusion Task Force on Generational Trauma, can they find all that on your website? Absolutely, yes. That that will be under our on our website under the priorities um, tab. It's right on the homepage. Great. So that's healthymendocino.org. Um, people can learn more about the programs, the community engagement, and then also see the webinars that uh, Healthy Mendocino participated in. And can you just really quickly tell us before we wrap up about any plans for the future or programs that you'd like our listeners to know about? Um, yeah, for the future, what we're looking at is we would like to continue with our collaborative community health needs assessment. So we're hoping to be able to do that um, probably in another two years when things settle down after COVID. We're also looking at wanting to continue um, beefing up the website with um, data and indicators. We want to work more with the DEI task force um, on equity issues. And we also are really excited about um, being a program with um, um, North Coast Opportunities in the community wellness group where we're starting to all collaborate more together. So like Garden project and the food hub and walk bike and leadership mendocino we're all part of the same group and we now have a, um, a director that's going to be helping us to all work together and collaborate on projects and so we're looking forward to that and just um applied for um, a state public health grant with a really great pilot project that um, if that if we got that it would be that would be just a wonderful thing for the whole community so we'll see what happens well, Molly and Patrice, thank you so, so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. It's been great to talk with you all. Thank you. Thanks thank for you. having us.
You're listening to Putting Down Roots on KZYX. We've been talking about community health and resilience in Mendocino and Sonoma County. Thank you again to our guests for joining us. It's been so wonderful to learn about the work your organizations are doing to support community wellness. Uh, a quick announcement, the state of California is currently offering grants up to $25,000 to for-profit and nonprofit small businesses. For more information, you can visit careliefgrant.com. And join us on April 1st at 3 p.m. for our next show, which will be focusing on climate change. And if you want to hear our show from today, please check out kzyx.org and go to the jukebox page. You can also find KZYX on Spotify under KZYX Public Affairs. If you have an idea for a topic that you'd like us to feature, or if you'd like to be a guest on our show, please feel free to send us a message on our Instagram account. And that account name is puttingdownroots.kzyx. That's puttingdownroots.kzyx. And if you're not on Instagram, you can also uh, send us an email. And the best email address for that is phoenix, P-H-O-E-N-I-X, at evolved, E-V-O-L-V-E-D, growth, G-R-W-T-H, strategies.com. We're always looking for new ways to highlight the creative individuals and organizations that bring so much life and vitality and beauty to our region. Thank you all so much for tuning in and looking forward to our next show. Bye. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willetson Dukaya 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.